Chapter Four, Part Two of the Mysteries of Paris by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Avoid temptation, Part Two. At this language, which was not deficient in a sort of natural and hardy eloquence, Jacques Ferrand shuddered struck by the expression wild and almost fierce which cecily's features displayed as with her bosom palpitating her nostrils open her mouth defying she fastened on him her large and brilliant black eyes never had she seemed to him more fascinating or more resplendently beautiful than at this moment speak speak again he exclaimed with excitement for now you speak in earnest oh if i could one can do what one wishes replied cecily sternly but but i tell you old as you are if i were in your place i would undertake to engage the affections of a young and handsome woman and once having achieved this result what had been against me would turn to my advantage what pride what triumph to say to oneself i have made my age and ugliness forgotten the love that is shown me i do not owe to pity but to my spirit my courage and my skill yes and now if there were here some handsome young fellows brilliant with grace and attractions the lovely woman whom i have subdued by proofs of a resistless and unbounded devotion would not deign to cast a look at them no for she would know that these elegant effeminates would fear to compromise the tie of their cravat or a curl of their hair in obedience to her caprices whilst if she cast her handkerchief in the midst of flames on a signal from her her old tiger would rush into the furnace with a roar of ecstasy yes i would do it try try exclaimed jacques ferrand more and more excited cecily continued drawing nearer to the aperture and fixing on jacques ferrand a steadfast and penetrating look for this woman would well know continued the creole that she would have some exorbitant caprice to satisfy that these dandies would look at their money if they had any or if they had not at some other low consideration whilst her old tiger would consider nothing nothing i tell you fortune honour he he would sacrifice all really said cecily putting her lovely fingers on the bony fingers of jacques ferrand whose clutched hands passed through the small glass door were clasping the top of the ledge would not this woman be ardently loved added cecily if she had an enemy and with a gesture pointed him out to her old tiger and said to him strike and he would strike exclaimed jacques ferrand attempting to press cecily's fingers with his parched lips really the old tiger would strike said the creole placing her hand gently on the hand of jacques ferrand to possess you cried the wretch i could commit a crime ah master said cecily suddenly and withdrawing her hand go go in my turn i scarcely know you you do not seem to me so ugly as you did just now but go go and she left the aperture abruptly the artful creature gave to her gestures and these last words an appearance of truth so perfect and a look of such surprise as if angry and disappointed with herself for having for an instant only appeared to forget the ugliness of jacques ferrand that he transported by frenzied hope cried as he clung convulsively to the ledge of the aperture cecily come back come back bid me do what you will i will be your tiger no no master said cecily still retreating and in order to forget you i will sing a song of my country cecily return exclaimed jacques ferrand in a supplicating tone no no 
later when i can without danger but the light of this lamp hurts my eyes this soft languor overcomes my senses and cecily extinguished the lamp took down a guitar and made up the fire whose increased blaze then lighted up the whole apartment from the narrow window where he stood motionless such was the picture that jacques ferrand perceived in the midst of the luminous circle formed by the flickering blaze on the fire cecily in a position full of softness and abandonment half reclining on a large sofa of garnet damask held a guitar on which she ran over several harmonious preludes the firelight threw its red tints on the creole who appeared thus in strong relief to complete the tableau the reader must call to mind the mysterious and singular appearance of a room in which the fire from the great struggles with the deep and large black shadows which tremble on the ceiling and the walls the storm without increased and roared loudly whilst she preludized on her guitar cecily fixed her eyes immovably on jacques ferrand who fascinated could not take his look from her now master mine said the creole listen to a song of my country we do not understand how to make verses but have a simple recitative without rhyme and between each rest we improvise as well we can a symphony appropriate to the idea of the couplet it is very simple and pastoral and i am sure master it will please you and cecily began a kind of recitative much more accentuated by the expression of the voice than the modulation of the music some soft and vibrating chords served as accompaniment this was cecily's song flowers still flowers everywhere my lover is coming my hope of happiness unnerves me let us subdue the glare of daylight pleasure seeks the softer shade my lover prefers my breath to the perfume of the sweetest flowers the brightness of day will not affect his eyelids for my kisses will keep them closed come 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 love come 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 these words uttered with animation as if the creole was addressing an unseen lover were rendered by her the theme of a delicious melody her charming fingers produced from the guitar an instrument of no great power vibrations full of harmony the impassioned look of cecily her half-closed humid eyes fastened on jacques ferrand were full of the expression of expectation words of love delicious music together conspired at the moment to bereave jacques ferrand of his reason and half frenzied he exclaimed mercy cecily mercy you will drive me distracted oh be silent or i die oh that i were mad listen to the second couplet master said the creole again touching the chords and she thus continued her impassioned recitative if my lover were here and his hand touched my bare shoulder i should tremble and die if he were here and his curly hair touched my cheek my pale cheek would become purple my pale cheek would be on fire soul of my soul if thou wert here my parched lips would not utter a word life of my life if thou wert here i should expiring ask thy pardon tis sweet to die for and with those we love angel come come to my heart come 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 if the creole had rendered the first strophe with languid pleasure she put in her last words with all the enthusiasm of antique love and as if the music had been powerless to express her intense passion she threw her guitar from her and half rising and extending her arms towards the door where jacques ferrand stood 
she repeated in a faltering dying tone oh come 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 it would be impossible to depict the electric look with which she accompanied these words jacques ferrand uttered a terrible cry oh death death to him whom you could thus love he cried shaking the door in a burst of jealousy and furious rage agile as a panther cecily was at the door with one bound and as if she with difficulty repressed her feigned transports she said to jacques ferrand in a low concentrated palpitating voice well then i will confess i am excited by my song i did not mean to approach the door again yet here i am in spite of myself for i hear still the words you said just now if you bade me strike i would strike you love me then will you have gold all my gold no i have enough have you an enemy i will kill him i have no enemy will you be my wife i'll marry you i am married what would you then oh what would you prove to me that your passion for me is blind furious and that you would sacrifice all to it ah uh, yes all but how i do not know but a moment since your eyes fascinated me if again you give me one of those marks of intense love which excite the imagination of a woman to madness i know not of what i should not be capable make haste then for i am capricious and to-morrow perhaps all the impression will be effaced but what proof can i give you at this moment cried the notary you are but a fool after all replied cecily retreating from the aperture with an air of disdain i was deceived i believed you capable of energetic devotion good night it's a pity cecily do not leave me return what can i do i was but too much disposed to listen to you you will never have such another opportunity but oh tell me what you would have cried the notary half mad eh if you were as passionately in love as you say you would find means to persuade me good night cecily i will shut the door instead of opening it cecily listen i will give you yet another proof of my devotion what is this proof of your love said the creole who having approached the mantelpiece to resume her dagger returned slowly towards the door lighted by the flame of the hearth then unobserved by the notary she made sure of the action of an iron chain which terminated in two small knobs one of which was screwed into the door and the other into the door-post listen said jacques ferrand in a hoarse and broken voice listen if i place my honour my fortune my life at your mercy now this very instant will you then believe i love you your honour your fortune your life i do not comprehend you if i confide to you a secret which may bring me to the scaffold will you then believe me you a criminal you do but jest what then of your austere life your piety your honesty all all a lie you pass for a saint and yet you boast of these iniquities no there is no man so craftfully skilful so fortunately bold as thus to captivate the confidence and respect of men that were indeed a fearful defiance cast in the teeth of society i am that man i have cast that sarcasm that defiance in the face of society 
exclaimed the monster in a tone of ecstatic pride jacques jacques do not speak thus said cecily with a tone of emotion you make me mad my head for your love will you have it so ah this indeed is love here take my poignard you disarm me jacques ferrand took through the wicket the dangerous weapon with due precaution and flung it from him to a distance in the corridor cecily you believe me then he exclaimed with transport do i believe you said the creole energetically pressing her beautiful fingers on the clasped hands of jacques ferrand oh yes i do for now again you look as you did a short time since when my very soul seemed fascinated by your gaze cecily you will speak the words of truth and truth only to me and can you doubt it for a moment ah you will soon have ample proof of my sincerity but what you are about to tell me is quite true is it not i repeat that you may believe each word i utter so much the better since you are enabled to prove your passion by the avowal of them and if i tell you all then will i in return withhold nothing from you for if indeed you have this blind this courageous confidence in me jacques i will call no more for the ideal lover of my song but you my hero my tiger to whom i will sing come come oh come as cecily uttered these words with an air and voice of seductive tenderness she drew so close to the wicket that jacques ferrand could feel the hot breath of the creole pass over his cheek while her fresh full lip lightly touched his coarse vulgar hand call me your tiger your slave what you will and if after that you but divulge what i entrust to you my life will be the consequence yes enchantress a word from you and i perish on a scaffold my honour reputation nay my very existence are henceforward in your hands your honour yes even so but listen about ten years ago i was entrusted with the care of a child and a sum of money for her use amounting to two hundred thousand francs well i wronged the little creature by spreading a false report of her death and then appropriated the money to my own purposes it was boldly and cleverly done who would ever have believed you capable of such conduct again i had a cashier whom i detested and i determined upon ruining him one way or another well one evening under some great emergency he took from my cash-box a trifling amount of gold which he paid back the next day but to wreak my malice on the object of my dislike i accused him of having stolen a large sum of course my testimony was believed and the wretched man was thrown into prison now is not my honour my very safety at your will and pleasure at your word both would be in peril then you love me jacques oh truly blindly love me since you thus surrender to me the most precious secrets of your heart how plainly does it prove the empire i must have over you ah believe me i will not be niggardly in repaying you stoop that brow from which have emanated so many infernal schemes that i may press it with my lips were the scaffold erected for me cried the excited notary did death stare me in the face i would not now recall my words but hearken to what i have still to confess 
the child i formerly wronged and forsook has again crossed my path her reappearance disquieted me and i have had her murdered murdered and by your orders but how in what manner a few days since it occurred thus near the bridge of asnières at the ile du ravageur a man named martial for a bribe contrived to sink her in a boat made purposely with a false bottom are these particulars sufficient will you believe me now oh fiend demon you terrify while you fascinate me in what consists your marvellous power and influence but listen further for i have not yet finished my catalogue of crimes previously to that a man had entrusted me with one hundred thousand crowns i contrived to waylay and blow out his brains making it appear he had fallen by his own hand afterwards when his sister claimed the money entrusted to my charge i denied all knowledge of it now then i have proclaimed myself a malefactor guilty of every crime will you not open your door and admit a lover so ardent so impatient as myself jacques exclaimed the creole with much excitement i admire love nay i adore you let a thousand deaths come cried the notary in a state of enthusiastic delight impossible to describe i will brave them all oh you are right were i ever so young so handsome or so seducing i could not hope for joy such as now swells my heart but delay not charmer of my soul give me the key or yourself undo the bolts which separate us i can endure this torturing suspense no longer the creole took from the lock which she had carefully secured beforehand the key so ardently prayed for and handing it to the notary through the aperture said in a languishing tone of utter abandonment jacques my senses seem forsaking me my brain is on fire i know not what i do or say you are mine then at length my adorable beauty cried he with a wild shout of savage exultation and hastily turning the key in the lock but the firmly bolted door yielded not yet come beloved of my heart murmured cecily in a languid voice bless me with your presence come the bolt the bolt gasped out jacques ferrand breathless with his exertions to force open the door but what if you have been deceiving me cried the creole as though a sudden thought had seized her if you have only invented the secrets with which you affect to entrust me to mock at my credulity to ensnare my confidence the notary appeared thunderstruck with surprise at this fresh expression of doubt at the very moment when he believed himself upon the point of attaining his wishes to find a new obstacle arise when he considered success certain drove him almost furious he rapidly thrust his hand into his breast opened his waistcoat impatiently snapped a steel chain to which was suspended a small red morocco pocket-book took it and showing it to cecily through the aperture cried in a thick palpitating voice this book contains papers that would bring me to a scaffold only undo the bolts which deny me entrance to your presence and this book with all its precious documents is yours oh then let us seal the compact exclaimed cecily as drawing back the bolt with as much noise as possible with one hand with the other she seized the pocket-book but jacques ferrand permitted it not to leave his possession till he felt the door yield to his pressure but though it partially gave way 
it was but to leave an opening about half a foot wide the solid chain which passed across it above the lock preventing any person's entering as completely as before at this unexpected obstacle jacques ferrand precipitated himself against the door and shook it with desperate fury while cecily with the rapidity of thought took the pocket-book between her teeth opened the window threw a large cloak out into the yard below and light and agile as bold and daring seized a knotted cord previously secured to the balcony and glided from her chamber on the first floor to the court beneath descending with the swiftness of an arrow shot from a bow then wrapping herself hastily in the mantle she flew to the porter's lodge opened the door drew up the string ran into the street and sprang into a hackney-coach which ever since cecily had been with jacques ferrand came regularly every evening in case of need by baron groan's orders and took up its station a short distance from the notary's house directly she had entered the vehicle it drove off at the topmost speed of the two strong powerful horses that drew it and had reached the boulevards ere jacques ferrand had even discovered cecily's flight we will now return to the disappointed wretch from the situation of the door he was unable to perceive the window by which the creole had contrived to prepare and make good her plight but concentrating all his powers by a vigorous application of his brawny shoulders jacques ferrand succeeded in forcing out the chain which kept the door from opening with furious impatience he rushed into the chamber it was empty the knotted cord was still suspended to the balcony of the window from which she leaned and then at the other extremity of the courtyard he saw by means of the moon which just then shone out from behind the stormy clouds which had hitherto obscured it the dim outline of the outer gate swinging to and fro as though left open by some person having hastily passed through then did jacques ferrand divine the whole of the scheme so successfully laid to entrap him but a glimmer of hope still remained determined and vigorous he threw his leg over the balcony let himself down in his turn by the cord and hastily quitted the house the street was quite deserted not a creature was to be seen and the only sound his ear could detect was the distant rumbling of the wheels of the vehicle that bore away the object of his search the notary who supposed it to be the carriage of some person whose business or pleasure took them late from home paid no attention to this circumstance there was then no chance of finding cecily whose absence was the more disastrous as she carried with her the positive proof of his crimes as this fearful certainty came over him he fell struck with consternation on a bench placed against his door where he long remained mute motionless and as though petrified with horror his eyes fixed and haggard his teeth clenched and his lips covered with foam tearing his breast as though unconsciously till the blood streamed from it he felt his very brain dizzy with thought till his ideas were lost in a fathomless abyss when he recovered from his stupor he arose and staggered onwards with an unsteady and faltering step like a person just aroused from a state of complete intoxication he violently shut the entrance door and returned to the courtyard the rain had by this time ceased but the wind still continued strong and gusty and drove rapidly along the heavy grey clouds which veiled without entirely excluding the brightness of the moon whose pale and sickly light shone on the house somewhat calmed by the clear freshness of the night air jacques ferrand as though hoping to find relief from his internal agitation by the rapidity of his movements plunged into the muddy paths of his garden walking with quick hurried steps and from time to time pressing his clenched hands against his forehead 
heedless of the direction he proceeded in he at length reached the termination of a walk adjoining to which was a dilapidated greenhouse suddenly he stumbled heavily against a mass of newly disturbed earth mechanically he stooped down to examine the nature of the impediment which presented itself the deep hole which had been dug and morsels of torn garments lying by told him with awful certainty that he stood by the grave dug by poor louise morel to receive the remains of her dead infant her infant which was also the child of the heartless hardened wretch who now stood trembling and conscience-stricken beside this fearful memento of his sensuality and brutal persecution of a poor and helpless girl in spite of his hardihood his long course of sin and seared conscience a deadly tremor shook his frame he felt an instinctive persuasion that the hour of deep retribution was at hand under other circumstances jacques ferrand would have trampled the humble grave beneath his feet without remorse or concern but now exhausted by the preceding scene he felt his usual boldness forsake him while fear and trembling came upon him a cold sweat bedewed his brow his tottering knees refused to support him and he fell motionless beside the open grave End of chapter 4 Read by Celine Major